Welcome to the Landmark Church Weekly Podcast. Three days. Um, if you'll stay with me this morning, we're in the middle of a sermon series on prayer. Let me tell you a quick joke before we get started. One of the guys I like listening to growing up in Mississippi was a guy named Jerry Clowers. And Jerry Clowers, um, Jerry Clowers told about he went to his uncle Versi Ledbetter's house one day, and New Gene was there. New Gene was the, the worst Ledbetter that there was. That boy was spoiled rotten. He was terrible. He was mean. He was hateful. And he was a liar. And they had to get on to him constantly. And so in the neighborhood, there was a collie dog that once a year, they, the owner would take sheep shears, and he would shear this collie dog. And this year, he sheared it down to where it had a big ring of fur around its neck and a ring of fur on its tail. And so it's out there, and, and, and New Gene comes running to the house, and he goes, there's a lion in the yard, there's a lion in the yard. <laughs> Uncle Versa said, New Gene, he goes, boy, I've spanked you, I've grounded you, I've done everything, you got to stop telling fibs and lying like that, you got to stop it. He said, I want you to go to your room upstairs, and I want you to pray, and I want you to repent, and I want you to ask God to forgive you, and you spend about 30 minutes praying, you don't come down till you hear from the Lord. And so... A few minutes later, New Gene comes back down. He said, New Gene, did you talk to the Lord? He said, I sure did. He said, did you repent? He said, I did. He said, did you, did you ask God? And he said, I talked to him, and God spoke back to me. He said, really? What did the Lord tell you? He said, the Lord said, first time I saw that dog, I thought it was a lion too. <laughs> James chapter 5. We are talking about prayer today. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is there anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. If you're not cheerful, refrain from singing today. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, that did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Father, thank you for your word today. May this be bread to our souls to feed us manna from heaven. Father, we just thank you. We can taste today and see that the Lord is good. There is nobody else like you. And today we pause to listen to your word so that we are fed for this week everything that we need spiritually to be the people you have called us to be, to do what you have called us to do. And Father, we carry this into the week. We continue on a daily basis to allow your word to feed us. So Father, we just thank you today for these moments together. Bless our time. It's in Jesus Christ's name we ask all these things, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people together said, amen. Turn around, look at somebody and say you're glad to sit by him, and you may be seated today. In the book of Genesis, we see where God creates the earth. He creates the world. He says, let there be light, and there's light. He creates earth, and 
the solar system, and all of these things. He creates the birds and the trees and animals. But the crowning of his creation was when he created mankind. He creates Adam and he creates Eve. And there's something that separates us from the animals. It's not just that we have a soul, but one of the things that separates us, you may love your dog today or your cat, but what separates you from a porcupine today is that you have the ability to help decide your future. You have the ability to play a part in what God is doing in your life. You have the ability to play a part and help create what is happening around you. You see, I believe God has a will. I believe God has a conditional will and God has a unconditional will. God's unconditional will is going to happen no matter what. It doesn't need human involvement. God's unconditional will, God says, this is something that I have created to happen, I have destined it to happen, and there is nothing, no human involvement, doesn't matter, it is going to happen. This will happen. And that is God's unconditional will. But I believe there is, God has a conditional will, and there are certain things He wants to happen, but they won't happen unless certain conditions are met. It doesn't mean God doesn't want it to take place. It doesn't mean that God is not for it. But God says, I put conditions on this, and if these things happen, then my will will be accomplished. The chapter before this in James, James says, you have not because you ask not, or you ask amiss. In other words, you don't have it because you didn't ask for it. I wanted it to happen. It was my conditional will that this happened, but you never once asked me for it, and so because of that, it didn't take place. Or he says you ask amiss. You ask the, the wrong kind of motives, and it was not exactly, you didn't have the right motives involved, and so because of that, you did not get the answer that you wanted. But he said, you didn't ever get this at one point because you didn't ask. Jesus went about healing. In Mark chapter 6, we find him in Nazareth, his hometown, the place that he was known not as Messiah, but as Mary and Joseph's boy. And because they knew him, not as Messiah, but as Mary and Joseph's boy, he wanted, he loved those people. He grew up with those people. He wanted good things for those people. But the Bible says he was, he was limited in what he could do. Listen to Mark 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 5. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He went about the villages in a circuit teaching. But he marveled because of their unbelief. In other words, he wanted to do more things. He had a conditional will. He wanted to see more miracles take place in Nazareth. But because of the people and their unbelief, he was limited in what he could do. And he said, even though I want to do it, it is not happening because they are not joining in with him. And they weren't joining their faith. And because of that, God's conditional will was not taking place. This morning, what I want you to see is this. We get a chance to participate in the will of God. That is the awesome thing. We get to participate in what God wants to do. God wants to do something, and we as humans, God didn't just create us and say, I'm going to create mankind, and I'm just going to spit it out into existence, and whatever happens, happens, and we'll all sit back and just watch it unfold. Knowing all the things that have happened in the thousands uh, the last thousands, couple thousands of years, just take those thousands of years. If God only spun the world into existence and didn't care what happened, 
in my opinion, he would be a sadistic God. I believe God cares about what happens. There are things God does not want to take place. I believe there's things God does want to take place. But I believe he has conditioned those things. And God has a conditional will. And we get to participate in the divine life that God has given us. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. So three ways that we participate with God. Number one, it's what James tells us. They're all found in this passage. The first thing is this. James says, is there any suffering? among you let them pray is there any suffering pray about it listen I am not against doctors I'm not against medicine I'm not against all of these those kind of things but the truth is how many of us whenever we have a difficult situation or we are suffering in some way we immediately run to other things before we ever run to God we run to people or we run to social media to get somebody's opinion we run to all of these things before we ever stop and ask God about it. I've told you this story before. Some of you have heard it. The first service, act like they didn't. So just do me the favor and act like you've never heard it either, okay? I'm, I'm only 40. I don't have that many life stories to draw from. My dad one time woke up in the middle of the night and could not breathe. He literally was at a place where he, I mean, he could not catch his breath. And I'll never forget, he's leaning over a bathroom sink, stomping his feet, trying to get a breath of air. Didn't know what was going on. We ended up having to call the ambulance that came and took him to Baptist Hospital in Jackson, Mississippi. Come to find out he was having severe acid reflux to the point it was literally blocking his airwaves and he couldn't airways and he couldn't breathe. But at the time we didn't know what it was. But me and my mom responded the same way. We're running around the house trying to get our clothes on because the ambulance is coming and we're screaming and crying and, and, and throwing, you know, all this stuff. And daddy's gonna die and all these kind of things. And my dad, he can't even talk very loud because he can't breathe. And I never forget him stomping his fist, I mean his feet. He leans over and as loud as he could whisper, he said, just pray just pray in other words quit crying and screaming pray for me lord help have a little faith won't you just pray for me you won't even pray i mean we're running around ah, he's gonna die he's like just stop and pray for a second and the truth is this if anybody's suffering, let them pray. We participate in the divine life through prayer. I believe prayer is the greatest way that we participate with God in what God wants to do because we learn to pray. We learn to pray about things. Dallas Willard says this, and I love it. Prayer is talking with God about what we are doing together. Prayer is talking to God about what we are doing together. In other words, I get to join with God and talk to him every day and say, okay, God, I get to wake up and say, what are we going to do together today, God? What kind of life are we going to have today? God, what are we, who are we going to influence today? Who are we going to make a difference for today? Who are we going to bless today? Who are we going to love today? Who are we going to serve today? Every day, I get to talk to God about the life that we get to do together, and that is participation. Listen, prayer doesn't make God do anything God doesn't want to do you understand that prayer is not changing God's mind but prayer is really about changing your will prayer isn't about making God God's not gonna do something he doesn't want to do and so prayer is not saying God you better do this if that's not God's will conditional or unconditional it's not going to happen but what prayer is is lining up my will with the will of the Father so that we get together and we're on the same page Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane he is there and he doesn't I mean, he's, a, he's a human he's he's hundred percent God but he's also hundred percent man and in his humanity, he recognizes the suffering he's about to endure on the cross and even before with getting beaten and all of these things. 
And listen to what he's doing in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's on his knees praying. And in praying to the Father, he says, if, it, if there's any other way possible, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, Lord, I know that we planned this from eternity past. But, you know, I'm here now and this is going to hurt. And if there's any other way, let it pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Prayer is about lining your will with the will of the Father. It is about saying, it's not about my will, it's about your will. I'm going to die to my will so I can live to his will. That's what prayer does. And prayer is saying, yes, Lord, I'm suffering, I need some help. Lord, I'm going through this, I need it. In James, he says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men. So it's, Lord, I need some help. I don't know how to do this situation. I don't know what to do about this. And so, God, I'm giving it to you. And God gives us wisdom. I, through prayer, participate with God in the life that he has for us because I understand I'm not praying my will I'm praying his will and when I pray his will then his will is accomplished what did Jesus teach us to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so God's got a will in heaven we just got to figure out how to participate with that will on earth and help bring his will his conditional will to this earth so we can see his will unfold here that has already unfolded in the heavenlies amen so the first way we participate is praying and not praying just for ourselves but praying for God's will for ourselves and for our family number two we pray with others and for others if there's any sick among you let them ask of God I mean let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil praying for them And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and they will confess their sins one to another, that they will be forgiven. There's this idea that in prayer, it's not just about praying for me, but I get to participate in your life and what God has for you as well. I love that. It's not just about me. It's about realizing God has a will for you, and through prayer, I get to participate in what God is doing in your life as well. There's a story, you all know it, Jesus heals a man that's lowered down. But that man didn't fall off the the roof into the lap of Jesus. He's lowered down on a bed. And guess what? He didn't lower himself down. There was four friends who brought him to Jesus and then lowered him down into where Jesus was at. And the Bible says Jesus looked up and he saw that man and his four friends. And he didn't look at that man and say, I see your faith. It says when he saw their faith, he healed him. And the truth is this, there are times my faith is weak. There are times I need help. There are times I come to God and say, God, I'll be honest right now, I just don't know how this is going to work, and I try to have faith, but I don't have the faith I need right now. But I need people around me that can say, when your faith is weak, my faith can be strong enough for the both of us. Let's join together where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. One can put a 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000. And when we pray together, God shows up. And he begins to do all kinds of amazing things because we learn we are participating together in the life of God for my life and your life for God's will to be accomplished. Amen. And so I believe there's strength in numbers in us understanding that as we join together, there is a synergy. There's something about a corporate thing that can't happen individually. The reason we have corporate prayer and fasting I I love to pray by myself, spend time with God. That's great. 
But there's something about corporately being with people that when our prayers come together, that does not happen in and of itself by itself. But when we come together, it's why we've encouraged people. Wednesday nights before church, you're welcome to pray. There's a room right here in between services. Anytime you want to pray. During our worship time, these altars are open. We're not stopping anybody from praying. There is something about coming together and praying together that when we get our faith together and we get focused together, it is amazing what God can do when we begin to join together and pray together and James says if you're suffering pray if you're sick call for the elders of the church let them anoint with oil and as they do that God can heal we'll join our faith together we begin to lay hands on each other we see things happen because we believe in the power of praying not only for ourselves but praying for other people amen and then thirdly you must realize your prayers really do work some people pray but they don't really believe it's going to make a difference they feel like, I've got to pray, that's what I'm supposed to do. But they don't feel like their prayers are going to make a difference. There's a story of a, of a doctor that was a missionary to Zaire in Africa. And she had a little, uh, they had an orphanage there, but they also had a little hospital. And a mother had a little daughter. She shows up pregnant, gives birth prematurely to a baby, and the mother dies in childbirth. Leaving this premature baby and this little girl. That day, she gave birth early that morning, died. That day, they realized unless there's an incubator, this baby will not survive. But they, they're out in the middle of nowhere. They have nothing. They had one water bottle, and it was shot. So they had no incubator. So the, the doctor got the little girls in the orphanage together and said, let's pray. We need an incubator or something. We need a hot water bottle for the incubator for this baby. And let's pray that God will save this baby's life. So one girl stepped up and began to pray that. While she was praying that, she also said, And Lord, send that incubator, but Lord, also send a doll for that sister so she knows she's not alone. They went about their business that day trying to save the baby the best they could. That afternoon, a package arrived from England. They began to open it up, and the girls ran over, peeking in this package, looking to see what's in it. And sure enough, there laying there was a water bottle right on top that they needed. As they're looking, that little girl that prayed that prayer, she said, You keep digging, because down there, I promise you, somewhere, there is also a baby doll. And she was right. They dug, and at the very bottom of that thing was a baby doll. And here's the amazing thing. Five months earlier, a women's Bible study in England, the Lord spoke to them and send send these items they thought it was weird because these items don't make any sense together but send these items to this place in Africa oh, and, and they did it five months earlier you say well it was already sent listen to me I want you to know it might have already been sent but those girls participated in what God was doing in that village in that moment because they joined their prayers and their prayers mattered their prayers made a difference what I love what James says is that Elijah had a nature like ours in other words, Elijah wasn't a superhero that was like from D.C. or Marvel that could do all these amazing things. Elijah was one of us, okay? I love Jesus, but even Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He's saying Elijah was just like us. Had the nature like we did, but he prayed earnestly. And God heard his prayer, and it stopped raining. And then three and a half years later, he prayed again. And it began to rain. And he says this, the prayers of a righteous people. I love one translation that says they are powerful 
and effective. The prayers of righteous people. Listen to me. I'm not trying to condemn anybody this morning or make you feel bad, but I want you to know part of the conditional will of God. When you are walking in God's righteousness, it's not your righteousness, it's his. But when you're walking in the life God has called you to live, then God says you can participate with me. Adam and Eve, when, they get, when they're in sin, they're kicked out of the garden. But while they're living the life God had called them to live, they're walking with God. There is something about being in the will of God. There is something about being in the life God has called us too, that I get to participate in something that outside of that I can't do it but when I'm walking in the righteousness of God then I understand my prayers are powerful and they are effective my prayers matter and my prayers can make a difference and I've got to realize that God has called me to pray to participate and as I do that my prayers can make a difference maybe you're thinking well God hasn't answered all my prayers listen to me there's reasons we don't understand why every prayer isn't answered but I I can promise you this if you will trust God God understands everything that's going on it is our job to pray and believe and trust and then we believe that God's conditional and unconditional wills can happen in our lives amen but here's the thing in between Elijah prays the one thing about the Bible is we read these verses and we act like everything happened you know one moment after the other Elijah prays the prayer and it stops raining. And then Elijah prays and it starts raining. But James tells us that didn't happen overnight. Three and a half years later. What did Elijah do in the three and a half years? Go back and read the stories. The first thing, he was fed by ravens. I don't know whether that's really cool or really gross. Okay? Part of me is like, oh, cool, birds fed him. And part of me is like, ah, birds fed him. Like, he was fed by ravens. A widow and her son had nothing, no flour left, couldn't even make but one cake and they were going to die. And he performed a miracle so the widow and her son lived. And then the widow's son dies and Elijah raises him from the dead. All in those three and a half years, he continues to do what God had called him to do. He continued to be faithful. And then at the very end of it, he prays that prayer. But then he tells the servant, go look and see what you see out here. And the servant said, I don't see anything. So Elijah goes and Elijah was more flexible than me because the Bible says he put his head between his knees. I couldn't do that right now if you put a gun to my head and tried to make me do it. You understand? But Elijah prays like that. And he goes, go back and look. And time and time again. And then all of a sudden, the servant comes back, comes back and says, all I see is a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now listen, I'm not talking about some giant man. He's got big hands. Once again, Elijah was a nature, had a nature just like ours. Here is the size of a man's hand, and he sees the cloud. And on that one little thing, Elijah goes before Ahab, and he says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. In other words, God did it three and a half years ago. And even though I haven't seen it fully happen yet, I know that what God did three and a half years ago, he can do now. And he's going to bring the rain back. And so on that little cloud, listen to me, God sometimes gives us glimpses of what he's going to do. There are conditions in God's will, but I can promise you some of them, God wants your children to know him and to come home today. It is God's will that nobody perishes, but everybody comes to know him. And if your children are not serving Serving God today, keep praying and keep believing. God will give you glimpses little by little, but one of these days those kids are coming home because we believe that is the will of God and we're going to pray for it and we're going to believe it. 
Maybe it's a business you wanted to start. Maybe it's a job. Whatever it is in your life, you say, God, I believe you called me to this. I want to do it. You keep praying and you keep believing. You keep trusting in those years and understand that God is at work. It may be three and a half years, but listen, God never let Elijah down. And Elijah, those three and a half years, kept following God and serving God until he knew it was the time to say, okay, let's see rain happen. And I believe that God is going to send the rain of his presence on your life that God is going to send and do some amazing things but you've got to trust him in the process and in the middle of it you keep participating with God you keep doing what God has called you to do the Bible says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil for God was with him and listen to me you want what God's will is for your life it is about you doing good and healing people that the enemy has tried to destroy and the enemy has tried to ruin their life we're called to go out and to see lives changed and lives restored we do it by praying we do it by praying with people and for people we realize our prayers matter and if I can't do anything else if I can't change the situation I go to my knees and pray and I allow God to change the situation I allow God to do it that I believe that as we pray we are participating in the life of God amen Will the worship team join me up here this morning listen this morning I want God's will for your life. I want, I want what God has for you. Because when you are walking in that will, there is nothing sweeter in life than being smack dab in the middle of God's will. There is nothing sweeter than walking in the will of God for your life. This morning, maybe you feel like I'm out from under that. Here's the awesome thing. God loves you and he cares about you. And he welcomes you back. He's that father on the porch for the prodigal son, always waiting for the prodigal to come home. God's waiting for you. He just says, come on, come have a relationship with me. And then you get saved, you get transformed, your lives get changed. And then you get to participate in God's life. You get to participate in what God has for you by praying for yourself and others and realizing your prayers matter. Today, I believe what God is trying to show us is, man, prayer is not just this religious thing that if I don't do it, he's angry at me. I don't have to pray. I get to pray. You understand? There's a difference. I don't have to pray. I get to pray. Some of you say, well, preacher, I'm just not good at it. There's something about kids that I have to be careful because I can be very sarcastic, okay? But if you're a good parent... Your kid is never painted an ugly picture. I'm the parents like, ah, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But anyway, the truth is, though, if you're a good parent or a grandparent, your kid has never prayed and I mean, painted or drawn an ugly picture. It's all, honey, that's beautiful. Let's put it on the refrigerator. Richard Foster, who wrote a lot on prayer, he said this. He used that example and he said, to God, you've never prayed a bad prayer. To God, you've never prayed a bad prayer. God just wants you to attempt to spend time with him. You don't have to use big words. God is in the heavenest, I love us, thou us. You don't have to do that. Talk to God like you talk to everybody else, but talk to him in a different way in this sense. It's not about the words you speak that have to be big. It's about your attitude toward him. And realize that he is greater than everything. He is awesome. He is holy. And I stand in awe that I get 
to be in relationship with the God of the universe. I get to participate in what God is doing on the earth. And I do that by praying, by praying for myself and my life, my family. I do it by praying for others and by realizing that my prayers can be powerful and effective, not because I'm anything, but because the Holy Spirit is in me and he's everything. And when I rest in him and I pray with him and I pray in the spirit, I pray with understanding, whichever one it is, I pray in a way that God hears me and God listens and God begins to react to that prayer. Would you stand up this morning? This podcast is now over. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future messages.